Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you today, God, for being a good God, for being a merciful God. We don't take it lightly, God, that we get to stand here today and be in an open church environment. We don't have to go underground and hide just to worship you, God. We get to, we get to walk in here today as cars drive by. We get to put signs on our building that say who we are. God, we don't take it lightly what we get to do here in America, that you've chose us to, to just be vessels used by you. So God, let us, let us speak your words today. Let me, let me communicate your word clearly today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So today we're just, we're continuing um, our series in uh, vision and values. And we're talking specifically today about faith is our M.O., it's how we operate. It's what knits us to, to God. It's, it's the thing that will move us forward. It's a momentum. It's, you know, you have to move to get momentum, right? You have to, you have to be in movement to create a momentum. And that's simply what I want to speak to you today, that our faith creates a supernatural momentum that forms our future. It forms our future. I don't care what age you are today, if you're, if you're 10 years old and you're in this room, or if you're 90 years old. It doesn't matter how old you are. God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Until you draw your last breath, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I believe faith is a thing that will show us what our plans and our purpose are. In Hebrews 11:1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, in Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. In Luke 18, 8, it says, I tell you that he will defend you and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth. One version says, will he find this kind of persistent faith on this earth? Persistent faith. See, persistence, it means persevering in spite of opposi opposition, obstacles, discouragement. It means pressing past those things to find the very thing God has for you. Pressing past the things that discourage us, that get us down. And I think so many times as Christians, we, ha we have fallen into this habit that we just do the motions of what Christians do. We go through the motions of, of coming to church. Okay, I checked that off this week. I, I've worshipped this week. I've read my Bible, and I check, 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 check. But we are in a habit with Jesus. We're not in relationship with him. I believe, Pastor Steve, that's why when COVID hit, the church scattered. They didn't know what to do because a lot of Christians were not in a relationship with who he was. They were just in a habit of doing the things that you do because you were a Christian. And so, so many times we, have, we need to remind ourselves. I, one of our little guys, actually not so little anymore, um, at the church, they call him Pastor BB. He is, he is about four foot something, I don't know, and, and maybe four foot five, and he is the cutest little thing I've ever seen. I might be a little biased, Lisa, but, but he is the sweetest boy you have ever met in your lifetime. 
you know, God gave us twin boys. And I think after that storm, he gave us Bryson. <laughs> and Bryson is our miracle boy. He fell into a pool, um, a, gosh, I guess about 10 years. He was, he was three going on four, and he fell into a pool. And my brother-in-law kicked him on the bottom as he was wrestling with my other brother-in-law. And they, they, they accidentally hit him. And he said, did I just kick you? And he's like, well, Duh, I kicked you. We're wrestling. And he's like, no, I kicked something. And when he turned around, our little Bryson was on the bottom of that pool. And he swam down and grabbed him. And he was unconscious, uh, not, not breathing. His eyes were somewhere else. And um, God saved his life that day. Um, there was a person, yes, amen. There was a person there that rescued him that was not supposed to be there um, and just had finished her CNA class and was able to resuscitate him. And he is our, our miracle um, child, but he is the one that is, he is on track with everything. His school, whatever it is, like clothes are laid out, like just such a responsible 13-year-old. He's almost 14 now. And one day I all these alarms kept going off on his phone. And I said, Bryson, those are driving me crazy. How can you handle that many alarms on your phone? And he's like, well, mom, I've got to remind myself to do all these things. So I took his phone from him and I'm like trying to start to silence things. And as I silence it, he has in there, read your Bible, read such and such verse. And he has an alarm set for it. Drink water has an alarm set for it. I mean, this kid was like alarms for everything, Pastor Steve. But I, what I, the thing I noticed the most was he woke up reading his Bible, and he went to bed reading his Bible. And so I'm so thankful for God's provision in his life that, that he is. But I told, him, I told him through all of that, through the alarms and stuff, I said, B, here's the thing, buddy. I said, I love, I love, I love, I love that you wake up knowing Jesus, and you go to bed knowing and learning more about Jesus. But don't let it be a routine for you. Don't let it become a habit for you. Make sure you're doing it because it's from here. And I believe it is. I, I certainly believe it is. But, but so many Christians, um, that's how they fall. That's, that's, that's why when storms come, we fall. That's why when circumstances happen outside of our control, it, it pushes us to the side because our foundation is not firm. And so we have to make sure we are pursuing God with an excellence, but, but pursuing him in a relationship. In Mark eleven twenty four, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. And it will be yours. It will be yours. How, how hard is it, though, for real, when, when you have to believe something that you can't touch? Like, it is hard. It is, it is beyond hard sometimes um, to, to believe in something that, that's not in the, in the natural. It's, it's not, or it's not in the, the natural, the day-to-day -day where you can see it. You can, you can see things happening. When you are believing in something in the supernatural, it takes faith. See, faith is our MO. I joked with your team this morning when we first started out, me and my husband came up with these and, um, our vision series and, and, he said, faith is our MO. And so when I got up to speak on it one Sunday, apparently I never read it because I would have caught it. But I said, faith is our ammo. 
And he's like looking at me, shaking his head from the, the seat. And he's like, what are you talking? So when he got up, of course, he took his chance and made fun of me over it. But he's like, babe, just so you know, it's, it's not our ammo. Like you're not shooting a gun. And I'm like, but we should have wrote that because you know that was good. I was like, that is a good thing. We should have done it. We should have done it that way. But faith is our MO. We believe that everything we do must have an element of faith involved in it. If, the tru- if, if that's true, if that's true and we believe everything has an element of faith, that means if we go to the grocery store, we believe that we are going on mission. That means if I run to Target, I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to Target to get groceries, but I know there's a mission. I know you're sending me for a purpose. That might even mean I'm waking up in the morning not telling God my agenda, but I'm saying, God, what's your agenda? I've got to work and I've got to do these things, but God, what's your agenda in my agenda? Maybe, maybe we even go further than just saying, all right, I've got to go to the grocery store. Tell me what you need me to do. Tell me who you want me to talk to. Show me the homeless person that typically you try to turn and walk the other way, but show me the person I need to witness to today. If we fully believe that faith is our MO, we should believe that it's in every step of the way. The truth here today is there are some of us in the room that because of setbacks and disappointments and discouragements, you have learned to lower your expectation when it comes to trusting God's promise that he promised you. I want to encourage you today that um, setbacks, the, the enemy intentionally makes setbacks. He intentionally throws things in your way to distract you, to frustrate you, to give you anxiety, to cause you depression. He puts those things in your path so that it stops you from ever getting to what God truly wants to do in your life. At one point in your life, you really believed for God's blessings, but today you've learned to settle for whatever life throws you. Maybe at some point you've prayed the prayer of Jabez, and you said, God, bless me, enlarge my territory. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. God, I want to see all of that. And you believed with all of your heart that God would do it. But now you're willing to settle for a consolation prize. God, something, anything, Lord, just give me a sign. How many times have us Christians said that? God, give me a sign. Lord, just anything. I'll believe the homeless man on the side of the road if you'll give me a sign from him. Just give me a sign. See, I want to show you this picture of our our family. And um, this is my husband, Chris. And the tall guy in the back is is one of our twins, Kaiden. And the guy in the the navy blue sweatshirt, that is Drayden. Those are our two twin boys. They are 16 years old. And then we have Bryson, the little guy I was just telling you guys about. And then these other two little boys are Maurice and Gavin. Gavin's the little guy Chris is holding. And they have rocked our world. They are the heartbeat of our family. Um, Little Gavin is four years old now. Um, Maurice is eight. And we got them, we got Gavin when he was six months old. And I can't tell you the love that those little boys showed our family. We We experienced a love that we have never experienced before. A love that you have to give 
even when they're mean, even when they, they push your love away, they have taught us a love that, that doesn't always give back. There's so many times with, with raising them, I have looked at them like, I'm not the one that's done anything. I'm the one here. I'm loving you. I'm caring for you. But the level of faith that it's taken to help raise these little boys, the faith that says, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal because they're mean to you. Don't, don't take it personal when you do something nice and they throw it on the ground. Don't take it personal. Have faith that you are planting a seed in these little boys' lives. And God has taught us so much. He's taught my, my other three so much through these two little boys. See, these two little boys, we had them for almost three years, and we were in the middle of, of, of going forward with adoption when their mom um, was able to get them back. And, and although we celebrated that and that was a huge victory for her, it was a loss for our family. And it was the hardest thing we have ever, ever, ever done in our lifetime is to hand these little boys back over. But their mom's young, and she allowed us to stay super involved in their lives. And, and she had become like a daughter, maybe a sister to us. And so we have been able to, to stay so involved and be able to really co-parent with their mom. And it's been such a blessing. But I thought the hard part was in the beginning of raising these kids in those three years. And, but I, I learned a different kind of love when we have to now drop them off at whatever hotel they're in that week. And we have to rip their little arms off of our necks. And we have to walk them to the porch of that hotel room. And we have to hug them and wipe their tears and say, buddy, I know this is hard. I know it's hard. And we'll see you soon. But don't cry. You're going to be good. And we have to rip their arms off of our necks as they're crying and begging us not to leave them. It takes a faith to drop them off every single time that I've never experienced in my life. I told myself I wasn't going to cry. Darn. That's your mom heart. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> it takes a faith. It takes an absolute faith to drop those little boys off every time and to tell them, we love you, and it's okay. Don't cry. And we're acting like everything's okay, and in my heart, it hurts. I feel like I've been punched in the stomach. But I have to trust God that he has those little boys, that the covering that come from my house that will continue to cover them, even though they're not in my home anymore, the spiritual covering that covers them will continue to cover them yes. no matter where they are in life. Yes. That takes faith. That takes faith that I didn't know about before I had them. See, if you're an, a, a parent in here today, maybe that's you. And maybe your circumstances aren't what our circumstances are. But maybe you're a parent in here and you have the prodigal son. You have the prodigal daughter that they've walked away from you. They've walked away from everything you taught them, everything you raised them in. And fear has gripped you like sometimes it grips us. I want to say today, you will reap the benefits of what you've sown in your children. 
I believe your children will come back because you are the matriarch of your family. Everything that you have sown, every tear you've shed, every prayer you've prayed, the Lord has heard it. And it will cover your children every single day that they live. So those grandchildren, those children, the great-grandchildren, I believe God will bring them home, that there is a covering over them, just like it's over our little boys. And God will bring them home because of the faithfulness of who he is. See, maybe you're a single woman in here today and you have prayed, Lord, give me a six-foot buff man, handsome. He loves Jesus. He's got arms. He's got everything. He's got the package. He loves romantic movies. He loves all the stuff that you love. He loves to travel. And here you are just a few short years later after you've been praying that prayer. And now you're like, listen, Lord, just give me a mail. Just, I don't care if he's got a job. I don't care if he's got no job. I don't care if he's busted looking. Like, just give me a man. And how we learn to settle over time. Maybe you've started a business years back and maybe in the beginning you had all these grand plans and and you had all these things in place and you were going to make tons of money and all these things and now you're just happy to pay your rent see faith changes everything life has a way of trying to force us to lower our expectations of what god wants to do through us Life has a way of lowering our expectations of what God wants to do through us. Why? Because faith creates a supernatural momentum that, f- that forms our future. And the devil knows that faith creates momentum and movement creates momentum. So we have to keep moving. In Genesis 12, it says... tissue sorry in Genesis 12 it says Abraham and Sarah they're hurting they wanted a baby they couldn't they couldn't conceive and they couldn't see how God could bring about this blessing of of children in their old age God give God gave Abram a promise that he would not fulfill for many many decades yet he has no son and, and, and a prophetic word is given. What do you do when you know God has given you a word, but you can't see anything in place to make it happen? When, when Pastor Chris and I, we, we decided to move here, um, I guess it's been about six years. July will be six years we've been here. And we were set at our church. Our, we had grown from about 25 people up to over about 1,600 people on the weekends. And it was a thriving church. We loved it. He was the executive pastor. I was the children's pastor. And it was just good. We were in a good season. We had just been handed this, this school. And everything was, was lined up. Our kids were going to go to this school the next year. It was just a perfect scenario. We were happy. Had zero clue that we would ever leave where we were we had no intention no desire to ever be lead pastors and and slowly God began to pluck these feathers out of our nest 
and nothing ever happened. We were never uncomfortable. It just became like, it just didn't feel right anymore. The one thing that felt so right, all of a sudden didn't feel right anymore. So we started praying and we're like, we both felt this. We didn't know what God was doing. And so we ended up praying and, and we really felt like God told us, sell your house and move into an apartment. Get, get out of debt. Do everything you can do to, to align yourself. And we're like, well, what does that mean? We've got three children. Like, we can't just up and move. So what did we do? We upped and moved. And we sold everything we could sell. And we moved into this 700-square-foot apartment with the five of us. And I thought, surely this is going to be like two or three months. You know, like, it's kind of like a sleepover. Guys, this is going to be fun. And 18 months later, I'm still gouging my eyeballs out every morning, every night. I wake up crying, and I'm looking at Chris like, what have we done? Why did we, like, we totally missed it. We missed all of it. And and every morning, he would talk me back through it, and we would pray, and I would be, like, ready to go. And then by nighttime, I'm crying again, like, just begging God, like, God, we, we did what you said, and, you know, we, we listened, and, and now we're stuck in this apartment. We, feel, we, we prayed every single day, and, and we just felt nothing. We, we knew what we heard God say, and we felt nothing once we get there. And so we're like, okay, we'll, we'll just, we'll start flipping homes. We've done constructions our, our whole life with his parents. We'll flip some homes, and we'll make money, and we'll do all this stuff. And we, we started spending all this time and effort into doing that, and every single thing shut Like, we had the financing, we had everything we needed, nothing worked out. And we're like, Lord, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, but I surrender. Like, whatever. I don't care if I'm here 10 years, I'm going to have a better attitude about it. I still probably cried every morning and every night. And so, about that, that was about at the year mark, about 18 months in, um, to right at two years, um, God really just spoke to us, and in about two years into that, being in that 700-square-foot apartment, God moved us to Port Orange, and it wasn't till one day, we were so frustrated. Chris had seen, he came home, and he said, babe, I seen a semi-truck, it was like a U.S. foods truck, and it said Port Orange on the side of it, and I don't know what else to say, but when, when I seen that, like something in my spirit just leapt, and I'm like, you're crazy if you think I'm going to a place called Port Orange. I don't even know. I've never even heard of that because you've seen a semi-truck. <laughs> Absolutely not. And so a couple days later, we go to the mall and we get out and here sits another U.S. foods truck with the name Port Orange on it. And when he's seen that, he's like, I'm telling you, we're going this weekend. There's something in Port Orange we've got to go find out. So we brought our boys up here, and we did like a, like a Jericho march around the city. We, I kid you not, we drove around this city. Our kids probably thought we were in, like, Houston by this point. Like, we drove eight hours around this city nonstop. We just drove up and down every street. I remember driving past here and writing the word New Life in my journal and wrote all these, like, every church that we seen, and we're like, surely, God, you would not send us to a city that has a church on every single corner. And we're, like, looking at these websites, and and we're like, and they're good churches. Like, they don't need another church here. And so we wrote all this stuff down as we're crossing over the railroad tracks right in front of Port Orange Elementary. One of my sons, we we had a game, you know, because they knew nothing of this. And we said, guys, if you ever started a church, what would the name of the church be? And my little guy said, what about railroad church? And we're like, sorry, buddy, you can't play the game anymore. 
you're coming up with terrible answers. So then out of our, our eight-year-old at the time, Drayden's mouth, he said, what about Jesus Church? And I immediately loved it. Chris was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it just doesn't actually make sense. Like, Jesus Church, should it be like Jesus's church? You know, like, how would you say that and it be correct? And so we, we, we prayed over it. Nothing really happened that day. Eight hours driving. You want to talk about frustration? I was like, I wanted to just like have a three-year-old tantrum. Like, I just wanted to lay down on the floor, kick and scream because I was so frustrated. We had given up everything. And, and we were just in this season. Us women need security, right? We were in this season of, of the faith walk of our lives, and I was so frustrated two years in. We had, we had given everything that God asked us to give, and we still have no clue what he's speaking to us. And so we get here. That after that day, we spent the night on the ocean, and the next day we got ready to leave. We had a Saturday night service at our church that we had to be back for, and we stopped at Chicken Salad Chick, the Lord's place, right? <laughs> right next to Chick-fil-A, it's the Lord's place. And so we stopped there, and we're eating lunch, and we're out on the patio, and our kids are playing with balls right there in that patio area. And I'll never forget um, a, an older lady and a younger man walked out of the restaurant, and they literally stopped. Our table's here. They stopped right beside us. And it was, like, odd how close they were to us. And the man looked at the woman, and he said, I just don't want to miss a move of God. And all I can tell you is when he spoke that word, everything around us stopped. It literally felt like we were in a universe all by ourselves. We locked eyes, both of us instantly, like tears pouring down our face, knew instantly that God was calling us to Port Orange. There was never a second doubt. There was never a, and so we sat there like in awe of what just happened, like what in the world was that? And Chris looked at me. He said, we're so concerned about missing or making the wrong move that we're going to miss the move of God altogether. And I looked at him and I said, okay, so is this the place? And he said, I think so. And then he got up and he takes off walking. He, he's like, I think I'm supposed to talk to those people. And they were gone. I kid you not. They went down that hallway and they were gone. I don't know if they were angels. I don't, I don't even honestly care what they were. But they helped us see something that we could not see because we were so stricken by fear that we were going to make the wrong move. We didn't want to end up in the wrong place. We didn't care where God sent us, but we wanted to be in the will of God so badly that we could have almost missed the move of God because we were so concerned about, about hearing his voice correctly. So in Genesis 12, 1 through 8, it says, The Lord had said to, to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curse you, I will curse and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. I believe that was because Abraham was faithful. He was faithful. So Abraham went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out. And he took his wife, Sarai, 
his nephew Lot, all of the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived there, at the time they were in, uh, where am I, sorry. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to, to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of uh, Bethel. Sorry, I couldn't see it. Bethel. Guys, I'll tell you a secret. I don't have my glasses today, so <laughs> I apologize. Um, east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the, e on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Faith will, move you for, faith will move you forward when your circumstances, temp, uh, your circumstances attempts to hold you back. See, in Genesis, it goes on, it says, this is sometime later, it says, The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O oh Lord, what good are all these blessings when I don't have a son? Since you've given me no children, a servant in my household will inherit it, all my wealth. And you have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will, in, will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. See, at least a decade had passed after the promise in Genesis 12 to 15. A decade or more of unfulfilled promises. Unrealized expectations. Every month, a disappointment. Every year, a disappointment. Over 120 months of disappointment. I was crying at like 18 months. You know, could you imagine a decade a decade, Abraham was faithful to what God called him to. See, he's asking God, God, did you forget about me? Did I not hear you right? Are you still there? Lord, like, you are there, right? I, I know I heard your voice so clearly in the beginning, but now I feel like I can't hear you. Have you guys ever been in a season like that? From Abraham's point of view, nothing is happening. Just because you can't see the progress doesn't mean God isn't working behind the scenes. It's like a seed in the ground. There's no tree. You can't see a tree yet. It's just a seed. There's nothing. But see, before you see fruit, God is growing the root. Abraham's greatest challenge was that he had a limited perspective. Abraham was in his tent telling God what he could not see. He was telling God what he could not see. See, he didn't see God working. He couldn't see anything happening. Nothing on the physical he could see. Maybe that's some of you in here today. You're not married. You don't see a future. You don't see anyone in your future. You're buried in debt and you don't know how to get out. 
Maybe you, you're in here and you've received a bad report. And all you can see is the negative, And all you can see is, is the promises that you knew that God promised you, but yet the report says different. I want to encourage you, if you don't see God anywhere, and you feel like God's not doing what you want him to do, you need to know today, if God met all your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to succeed them. See, the Bible day, in the Bible days, he took him outside. God took him outside. Look up, to, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall be your offspring. Abraham believed the Lord. See, God had to bring Abraham out from where he was so he could see, see what God really wanted to do. See, Abraham could not see it in the tent. God had to bring him out from where he was to be able to see what God was able to do in his life. Never measure God's unlimited power by your unlimited expectations. You know, how many times do we tell God what we need? God, this, this is my list. This is what I need. And we give him the list and we, and we give him our expectations. But if we could only realize our expectations are so low compared to what God has for us. It's so low compared to what God really has. His dreams and his hopes for us are so much bigger than we could ever think or imagine. See, let's skip back over to Genesis 21. And if the band wants to come, it says, in Genesis 21, it says, Now the, the Lord was generous to Sarah, as he, ha as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At this very time, God had promised. See, the moment, the, the, the moment your faith is released, you open the door to God's unlimited potential in your life. That's why faith has to be our MO. In Isaiah 55, 8, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Can I get a good amen for that one? Thank God his thoughts are not my thoughts because I think some pretty horrible things sometimes and I have to rein it back in. So thank God he has better thoughts than I have. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed to, for the sower and for bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty. Thank you, Jesus. But will accomplish what I desire 
and, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See, Abraham's faith produced a momentum that changed generation to generation. Abraham had a faith because he was faithful, because he chose to be faithful. Pastor Steve, you guys are choosing to be faithful. In an unknown season, you're choosing to be faithful. You're choosing to press in new life. And because Abraham was faithful, he changed generation after generation after generation. And if you belong to Christ, if you are in him, then you are Abraham's descendant and an heir according to God's promise. God, we thank you today for your word. God, we take it and we hide it in our hearts, Lord. We thank you for who you are and what you're speaking to us, God. I pray that we would just be faithful to what you've called us to, Jesus. The faith that it takes to drop those little boys off on the porch every single weekend. God, and we, and we just keep doing it, believing that there is a better way. Maybe it's not my way, but God, your ways are, are much better and much higher than my ways. So God, we cling to your word today. We cling to who you are in us, Jesus. The spirit of God that resides in us. God, I pray for every person here today, wherever they are, whatever they're struggling with, the frustrations in life, wherever they are. God, if they have the prodigal sons and daughters and grandchildren, God, that you bring them home. If that's you today, just whisper their name. Just whisper their name to yourself. God, we thank you for bringing those children and grandchildren back home. God, they are your children. They are your children. And the people in this room, they are the matriarchs of their family. They are setting a, a precedence for what is expected in their family. And I believe their children and grandchildren will reap, just as we're reaping what Abraham did. Their grandchildren and their children will reap everything you've promised them. God, I thank you for bringing them home. God, I thank you, God, for businesses to flourish. God, I thank you for the strength of parents in this room. God, we thank you for what you're using us to do. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. God, as we continue to be faithful to what you've called us to and walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name. Just about a year ago, we had a welcome to church party. I shouldn't tell you guys this story since you're coming to a welcome to church party. No, it's, it won't be what you guys come into. But we had, it was December, and we had like an influx of people coming through our church at this time. And, and we had about 60 people that were going to be coming to this welcome to church party. And we really wanted to connect with them one-on-one. -on -one. So we split it up into two, two parties, and we did one right after the other. The first one had like 40 people in it, and it was great. And, and the second one started. They all left. The second one starts, and we're like looking at our watch like, man, this is weird. Like, this has never happened. People confirm, and they show up. Like, 
we're standing in a room just with like about five leaders and no one shows up to this welcome to church party and about five minutes after it starts this one young lady walks in the door and she she was very odd she wouldn't look at us she had a plate of food and she just sat there mashing all of her food up into mush and we tried to engage with her and tried to talk to her and she was just very you could just tell she wanted to crawl right out of her skin and after a few minutes of trying to talk, we just said, okay, look, like we're just going to do like a quick welcome to church party and give her like the, ba the base of it. And she looks up at me and says, can I speak to you? So we walked outside and, you know, very, very awkward. We walk outside and, and she, she will not look at me in my eyes as she, she stares at the ground and she says, I came here tonight because I feel like every time I lay down in my bed, something just strangles me. Should I feel like I'm just bound by something that literally something wraps around me so tight I can't even move? And she said, I said, have you ever, have you ever partaken in witchcraft? Have you ever, have you ever leaned into that side of the world? And she said, I have. And so she began to tell me she had, she had done the cards and she had drank blood and she had been into prostitution and all of these things she just started telling me and I said okay we're gonna go back inside I said do you do you mind if I share this with our team and she said no I'm just so tired of living like this so we went in and that's something typically you would want to be fasting for prayed up and so we didn't have a choice. The enemy, you know, just kind of threw it in front of us. And, and I believe God drew her there. And I said, listen, we're going to stand up. And I had another woman with me. And I said, we're going to lock arms with you. And we're going to walk around our church office, this little tiny office. And we're going to declare some things over your life. And we took about two steps. And I said, I'm a child of God. And she said, I am a, and she could, she just kept stopping. I am a I am a, and she could never get the word out. And then this demonic voice came out of this little 18-year-old, maybe 100-pound body. Demonic voice comes out of her, her mouth, and she falls to the ground and starts slithering like a snake. And our prayer team, let me tell you, we flocked to that girl. We got her up on her feet and said, oh, you ain't, you ain't performing today. You ain't performing. We ain't intimidated by that mess. Get up. You declare who you are in Jesus' name. We ain't, we ain't intimidated. We ain't scared by that. That's nonsense. We ain't impressed by it. And this girl, she stood up and we're like, do you want freedom? Yes, I do. And every time she tried to declare God's voice over her, every time she tried to say something about who God was in her, she could not say it. And we just kept, say it, say it, say it, until she finally, and she would scream it like she was trying with everything in her to get it out. And one thing after another, we stayed there till almost mid that, midnight that night praying with this young lady. And I, I'm here today to tell you she was set free in Jesus' name. She walked out of that place smiling and laughing and high-fiving everybody. And I am so thankful that God used that welcome to church party. That's why I said it's not going to be like the welcome to church party y'all come to. They're going to be like, we ain't coming. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for that opportunity that God let us see and some of our leaders see 
That was what was so beautiful in the room. The leaders that could not have handled that had to leave early that night.